Typically Hazardous, welcome back to another episode, and I have to begin this one by saying it's been a while. We've been a couple of weeks behind on getting podcasts out, and yeah, I have it in my mind. I don't know if I've ever said that I'm going to do one every week, but I have it in my mind that I'm going to do one every week so that when you're driving in your Prius or in your pickup truck or riding your bicycle or the tube through London, then you hopefully are going to have an episode for you every Monday or something like that. We've been a couple weeks behind because this tour that I'm on is sort of all-consuming. But while I was on this tour, I got to sit down with this guy. His name is Rob Dyer, and he has an extraordinary story I want you to hear in this episode. Our conversation went the direction of Rob's life, which experienced a tremendous amount of loss and trauma. And so for those of us who've been through loss and trauma, those of us who've been through pain, who have lost loved ones, who have endured disease, who have endured trauma, oftentimes there's ways that we can relate to that. There's things that we can do in response to that. Some people may call them the darkest days, and a lot of times people look back and call them the the life-changing or the pivot days that turned their life around. This conversation with Rob, what I love about this dialogue is that he really simplifies it into three main options, that you have three options in the way that you respond to and relate to loss. So if you're listening to this podcast and you've lost, then this conversation is going to be really, really helpful for you. And if you're also listening to this podcast and you have a person in your life who's been through trauma, who's been through disease, who's been through loss, share this episode with them because I think Rob's story is one that needs to be shared and his voice is just an incredible way in which he's taken his pain and his trauma and turned it into something beautiful. So check it out. Listen to Rob Dyer. We were backstage during soundcheck in, I think it was Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So if you hear some over, you know, some loud things over the... um, speakers it's because we were in the cafeteria or in craft services there backstage during sound check of the, i think it was mike posner who was sound checking so forgive the sound but realize that this conversation this guy rob is just incredible and i can't wait for you to hear his story check it out you ever wonder what your life would be like what will you wish you would have done get after it already what's life without a little adventure get one chance. Best live a big life. The exploration of the unknown. A hope for something more. This behavior can be classified as typically hazardous. I call it an adventure. Welcome. Let's get started, shall we? Here we go. We're recording. Hey, typically hazardous. Welcome. Sitting here with Robert... Dyer here backstage at uh, the Future Now tour. We're here backstage at the Future Now Demi Lovato Nick Jonas tour, and Rob is one of our speakers for Cast on Tour. Thank you for having me, Hank. Yeah, welcome. Stoked. You flew in here from Toronto like five minutes ago. Yeah, basically. I mean, you arrived in the venue Delayed seven flight. minutes ago, yeah. and you arrived to the venue with, to a very grumpy Hank. No, you were you are hard on yourself. I don't believe if that's grumpy Hank. I can't that's wait to about see. grumpy <laughs> Hank. Okay, I realized recently fine. I've been trying this new thing, Rob where I uh, spend a lot of energy pretending I'm not in a bad mood. Right. And I'm a, I get in bad moods a lot, but I pretend like I'm in a good mood. It's so much energy. So I just stopped. And luckily, I stopped actually with you. So when you showed up, I was like, hey, man, cool. whatever. I was just in a funk. Because this, this venue is so hard to like yeah. find your way around. I'd walked around for 10 minutes, and I hate wasting time. And doing anything like being on tour, 
can eventually get exhausting. It's it's you're away from your family, you're away from your your core group of people that make you who you are. Yeah, that, totally. It, so it's, it's it's exhausting. You're just emotionally sometimes drained, and that's that's fine in life. You're being way too nice to me. I was oh, just man. being I was just being a douche. <laughs> I was just exhausted. <laughs> so uh, that's when we first met. Actually, we met outside. And uh, Rob, you're here because you have like a really powerful story, and what I'd love to talk to our crew about this is right. this podcast is called Typically Hazardous, which is adventures in life because typically hazardous is Webster's first definition of adventure. Cool. So uh, what I want to talk about with you is adventures and loss. Okay. And what it's like to lose people. Yep. And uh, how you cope with that and what the options are when yeah. you lose people. Perfect. And how if a person's listening right now driving in their Prius across Los Angeles or Calgary or we're big in Australia. Awesome. Um, if they're driving their car or they're riding a bus or a train that they've lost somebody and what do they do to process that and right. how they deal with that. And I would love for them to kind of talk through that. So tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. Uh, where did you grow up and why are you now uh, a leading voice and an expert on uh, losing people? Well, thank you, Hank. And it's an honor to be here. And, you, you know, you're, you're way too hard on yourself. You're not. That was not grumpy, Hank. Uh, that was Grumpy Hank. I'm way cooler than that. So yeah. if, you, if you baseline me <laughs> okay. on how you met me an hour ago, then we're going to be great friends. All right, buddy. I'm stoked. You're going to love me. Um, I grew up in a small town just outside Toronto, Canada, Newmarket. Um, and when I was growing up in Newmarket, I experienced uh, about six months um, of loss. And it just seemed to keep happening over and over and over again. And uh, I found that the, the the hardest part, obviously, about loss is the first time it happens because you really don't know, you know, the system to go down, the road to go down and how to process it. Um, and I'm not saying that one day you're going to be an expert at it and it's going to, you know, be easy because you don't want it to be easy because that's a, an extension of your love for that person. Um, and it's it's supposed to hurt because, you know, your your love comes out on two sides sometimes. Um, but for me, the, the one thing I learned was I can either let this situation destroy me I can let it define me or I can let it empower me and, and strengthen me. Wow. And, and strengthen Those are the three options. Yeah, for me. And um, what was that situation that you learned that through? Because how old were you when you first experienced death? The first time I experienced death was 18 years old. And I, I experienced death before that, but I wasn't someone that was so close and so important to me yeah, in my right. life. Um, but for the first time, it was a, a best friend of mine who passed away in school. And it was just so bizarre. How did, how did he die? Uh, cancer. He passed wow. away from cancer. At so 18? At 18 years old. They misdiagnosed. Uh, they thought he had an, uh, an ulcer, but he ended up having like a pretty aggressive uh, stage of stomach cancer. Oh, my gosh. And so, but, you know, the, the but at that moment in my life, it was more in shock. I was like, it was, it was weird he just wasn't in school anymore. It was weird he just wasn't like, wow. you know, it just didn't really process or make sense. Um, and then a couple more months went by, and I lost both my grandparents uh, within like basically weeks. Oh, um, my gosh. And then... Of cancer or of what? Cancer what, as well. How did you lose them? Um, did you know they were going to lose them or was it an abrupt or sudden thing or what was the... My grandmother and my mom's side, it was very abrupt. It was, uh, she started getting headaches and she was just couldn't lay out, like, get out of the couch. She just was stuck there and uh, they took her to the, the hospital and they were just like, oh my gosh, like she's got a very aggressive uh, cancer as well. And the um, type of cancer again is it, like... She passed away of brain cancer. Wow. Um, then my grandmother and mom's side, she, or grandmother and my uh, father's side he she passed away from stomach cancer but she battled it her whole life like oh, so, wow. she, so it was kind of a regular thing uh for our family to know that she had cancer and but it just like seemed like it was a disease that was just going to live with her and she'd be fine because right. she would always end up back that in you hospital. probably would forget at christmas time or yeah totally. whatever you just forget oh yeah she also has this thing she 
deals yeah. with every day. Yeah. And, and same with my mother. My mother, she passed away of cancer as well, but she lived with it her whole life. She always had, it seemed like a new type of cancer. And it was, it just, it was a very normal word in the house. It didn't seem scary. So from, so you're 18 years old and you lose your best friend to brain cancer. A mid, or a he, he stomach passed, cancer. Yeah, yeah. A misdiagnosis. Yeah. How many months later and you lose a grandparent? Oh my gosh, it was, must have been, uh, first grandparents must have, first grandmother was probably about just under a month. A the month next later. Was and a then another. A month later as well. And then my mom was directly like weeks after. Oh my gosh. So it was a, uh, it was so a. So your 18th year was, was. It just felt like people were just going to keep leaving. Yeah. And it was, uh, I think for me, like I didn't have a really big group of uh, close people in my life. Right. I was a very, uh, obviously, I was an introvert, and uh, I still am in, in ways. I keep very few people close, and that's just how I work. I really, that's why really you liked me when I was in a bad mood, because you're an introvert. <laughs> like maybe Introverts maybe usually a, get a little you understand. I have like a talking addiction. I okay. say words that's too much and too much energy, so that's why that introverted thing. Do you, do you have a big family? Is that like, did you have a large family? No. How, who put their arm around you, and they were like, hey, Rob, you lost your friend, and that sucks. And talked you through that. And then who put their arm around you? Like, did you have a place or did you have a person that you could call, like, that says, like, hey, this is crazy? The first time it really, really, the first person that actually, I think, motivated me or made me feel okay with what was going on or how I was feeling. I remember being in uh, next to my mother in, in uh, her hospital bed when she was had her final, uh, her final breaths or whatnot. And I remember my priest at the time, uh, I was a mess. I was hysterical. I wasn't making any sense of anything. I was angry. I was, yeah. And uh, I remember him saying, like, this is okay for you to feel this way. It's it's fine for you to, to, to So you had, to like, a angry. pastor or rabbi yeah. or priest or somebody who was the first person that to, to really help me make sense that everything's okay, that I'm feeling that, like, to not bottle it up. And was I'm that your instinct to bottle it up? Was it your hundred percent? Your instinct was, I'm just going to sort of keep this inside and shut down and let people. Which I think I did as a kid often. Like it was yeah, just right. a very uh, natural thing for me, um, and I did that for a couple months. Like even though he made sense of it to me in my head, I really, really didn't talk to anyone um, for a long time. But then I found out that there was, uh, well, my uh, aunt recommended counseling. Uh, through the hospital at the time, which was uh, in Newmarket there. Um, and there was a guy named Danny Shattuck who um, was a doctor at this hospital, um, a doctor of the brain. Um, and, yeah, I thought that, like, I was no way, no way I'm going back to the p- same place that um, I lost these people and to talk to somebody. Like, why why would I do that? Yeah, right. Um, it just didn't make sense. But, you know, we, we so often think that it's 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 means there's something wrong with us. When we do that, we think there's something wrong with us that we, because of the stigma around it, uh, that there's something wrong with us if right. we have to do that. Yeah. But you don't realize that, like, well, if you if you don't do that, you don't know what it could manifest into. Yeah. What was that like? I mean, is that was that was that your mindset? I mean, did you bottle it up because you didn't trust anyone around you, or did you bottle it up because you thought I shouldn't feel angry, upset, mad, depressed? I just thought there was something. Uh, I, oh, actually, I probably didn't think that much. Actually, I just thought that you know this is the way you deal with it. This is this okay. is normal. This is normal. Just what was it, what did that feel like then to have that priest give you permission to feel it? 
to, to have that priest give you like almost like a permission slip to say, this is okay to go through this pain and this loss. Yeah. It, 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 him saying that this is like, I remember him saying that this is the other side of love and it's, it's okay to feel uh, frustrated and angry because this is the person, this is how much this person meant to you. Wow. Um, and I'm, that, that's something I know it may sound so simple and uh, maybe not that, um, I don't know, monumental, but for me it was, it was, it was, it's okay. Like th- it's okay for you to, 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 to feel this way. I love that as a, like a um, proof of love is grief. Yeah. Like proof yeah. of, Intimacy and proof of meaning and proof that that person mattered to you and yep. all those things is because, hey, it, uh, it's all the grief that proves all that. Totally. That's incredible. Yeah. And so I think for me, that was a moment where, where I was like, okay, well, like, you know, if, if, if it's okay if I'm feeling that, well, maybe it's okay that I'm feeling this as well. And it doesn't mean there's something wrong with me that, you know, I don't want to get out of bed today. Right. You know, I don't want to see, see go outside and talk to people. I don't want to, you know, be a part of society today. Um, it doesn't mean that there was something wrong with me for feeling that way. Um, but it, there was something wrong with me not going and seeing someone to talk to someone about that. Because yeah, right. It's, it's so hard and nearly impossible for you to make sense of your own feelings sometimes because you are in them. You are the feeler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, but, I, I, and then, but having someone that to, to help you make sense of it and help you have a plan because I found that that was, especially with any sort of counseling I've received in my life, having a plan, walking out of that room and having a plan for yourself that someone helped formulate with you is exactly what to do. Wow, that's great. What was that plan for you? For I me, mean, I've never met anyone who lost four people in six months in my it, life. It was, we all have that punching bag in life, right? We all have that thing that we, not, we, we may not have discovered it yet, but uh, for me, skateboarding was that punching bag. It helped me feel those or get those emotions out and do something that like was therapeutic and I I always found that like going to the skate park by myself or with a group of people um, I ended up leaving that feeling that was like your center that was yeah yeah calm Um, and then I think through that skate for cancer kind of formulated because there was different aspects of it but doing something about it I didn't want to sit sit around and feel that I was powerless in the situation yeah I didn't want this uh, negative experience to stay negative. I wanted to hopefully turn it into something positive. Yeah. Um, and so by formulating Skate for Cancer, it was that process for me. By doing something about it, I was not feeling that cancer controls me or my life or or is going to uh, take away everybody from my life and that's just the way it is. Yeah, right. It wasn't like a period. It was, you know, the story can keep can continue and you can turn this into something positive and something uh, hopeful. And we'll get to Escape for Cancer in a minute, but you're, the plan that your therapist helped you come up with, Yeah. that plan was to create Escape for Cancer, or that plan was, how do I take this grief and this loss that's inside me and do something with it? Yes. Was that the, uh, that the, was the concept was, rather than get up cancer. and do, and I co- sort of think the insightful thing that your priest even said to you, or the insightful thing maybe that your story unfolds for me in my mind is it's not get up and go back to society yeah it's you have this new thing now this new material of grief yeah you get to get up and do something with that that's different in society yeah because you're on that other side of love yeah you're not just the you're not just rob and you lost something so you're not less rob you're actually more rob because this grief is a thing totally that you're carrying with you now into relationships and into moments and into places and i i sort of love that your therapist however insightful or however accidental that happened 
was like, hey, you can use this for something. Now, you mentioned and started this conversation by saying there were three options for you yeah. when you experienced loss. And I think for the people who are listening, maybe they're in the middle of loss yeah. and maybe someone shared this with them because they lost somebody recently or maybe they've lost someone a while ago right? and just haven't processed that. Um, what are those three options and how did you and your therapist sort of come to those and, that, and Skate for Cancer was, was which of those options? Yeah, I, I think the options kind of came later in life when I was like looking back on um, the process of what I, what was happening to myself from like a um, looking back into the past okay. of what happened. But the, the, the process was like th- that this is going to destroy me or this is going to define me or I'm going to use this as fire, as, as an internal flame to kind of, you know, get out there and do something and get out there and make this part of my story into something positive and, and, and something that's going to help other people opposed to just you know, sitting back and letting it destroy yeah, me, letting right. it define me, letting what's, it what's bring a, me down. When someone is, lets, a, lets a loss destroy them, what does that look like? Oh my gosh, I'm sure it looks different for a lot of people. But for me at, at that time, it it looked like, you know, me wanting to harm myself with, you know, alcohol or wanting to harm myself with um, anything that was... And did you do those things? Did you 100%, harm yourself? Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't drink before that. Um, luckily, when I started Skate for Cancer, I didn't drink for the next like seven years after that. And I was was perfect because right. I had that something to, to fill that void. But, but you're I, just looking for escape. I mean, yeah. That's, escape is probably the other Numbing, version escape, of destroy. Yeah. For sure. Um, and that's what it looked like for me. It looked like I didn't want to leave bed. Um, the days that I would leave bed, it would be to, you know, go drink with a bunch of buddies in a park and, yeah, right. and not wanting to feel like real love or attachment to, to people or, or to, to, to society. And so, um, that's what it looked like for me. And it does look like a lot of, for a lot of people, it looks very different. Um, you know, I, yeah. Cause it can look like checking out Yep. or it can look like actual self-harm. I totally. Mean, it can look like that as an option. What, what does it look like for something for a loss to define you? I would say letting it just be a part of the story. So for, for me, I always thought it, def- it, it upset me when I heard people just say cancer was just part of life. And it always upset me to say that, like, that's just the way it is. That's just the way, you know, right. things are. Right. People pass away of cancer. There's nothing you can do about it because, you know, we're never going to find out for a cure. And that, to me, was defining it and, and, and like, closing the, 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 the chapter on it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was not a good thing. Um, and so that's why, like, using it as empowering it or strengthening you, I think that was... What yeah, I think because I think the definition part can also be that you're, you then you become Rob, the guy who lost his mom. Yeah. Like that's like one option or you meet people right. who go through a divorce and it's like, oh, that's, that's that Mitch, the divorced guy. Cause right. all he does is bring up his divorce and he hates going to weddings and he talks about his ex. wife like right. where he, it's like now defined him that he was, there's no, other that his wife was unfaithful to him and you know, like that, yeah. there seems like that kind of be, you become defined by that. And then that's the story you're telling the whole world about you Yeah. versus I feel like even what what you had the option of is I can destroy myself. That's a a form of destroying yourself or a form of self-harm, isn't it? To say, I'm just going to carry this story and I'm going to just make the world feel it for me all the time. I'm the guy who lost a family member. I'm the... I'm the woman who lost a husband. I'm the... You know, does that make sense? Like, sort of the widow's burden in this sense. Totally. As opposed to letting that be a part of who you are. Yep. As opposed to being the sort of the lead dog in the in the race. Mitch doesn't move on, right? And, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I'm not saying Sorry, move Mitch. on. Like, <laughs> I know. We don't, Mitch He's is not a real there. person. I mean, there's, <laughs> we changed his name to protect the guilty. But uh, yeah, if they don't move on, if they don't find a way, 
that's why I'm compelled by this third element or these three elements I've never heard of define, destroy, empower. Mm-hmm. And I love the three of them. And so for those, for that third piece for empowerment, when did you discover that? And what is that empowerment for you? For me, I discovered it when I was able to look back a little bit on Skate for Cancer. And looking back on life is, was, is so difficult all the time. Right. But for me, it was looking back on Skate for Cancer and realizing that, oh, wow, like five, six years have gone by in life or I guess 10 now. And you have a story. You have a story of how you, you know, had this unfortunate situation that happened and bad things happen to all of us that's the reality of of life you know it's we're all gonna have something like you know what i went through bad Um, things are a part of life not necessarily cancer right no no exactly but like it's how we channel those bad things and turn it into something positive and turning what was that how did you do that so you you're in the suck yeah you're in the the vortex of destroy define self-harm yeah what gets you? Th- what got you to that? Because a person listening might go, "Yeah, I've been using, or I've been sure. drinking, or I've just been che- I've been just been checked out." What gets you out of that and into that empowerment thing? Like a person listening might go, "That sounds like crossing the Grand Friggin' Canyon." But that's it. it. It doesn't. It doesn't. For me, it never seemed like there was a day. Like, okay, well, today's the day that okay, everything yeah. got better. There I was think no, it was like, gradual. There's no magical yeah. day that where, like, Steve Martin showed up at your house with a banjo and yeah. was like, it's time, Rob. <laughs> I don't know why that visual. That would be a day, though. I that, would, might, that would snap me out of my 100%. funk for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's tell Steve, hey, we got a new calling for you. Yeah, just show up people's houses, play the banjo, yeah, and right, everyone, exactly. everyone will be okay. So there was no magical moment, but it was a gradual something, right? There yeah. was some change. What, what what was that for you? It was it was feeling that I, for me, it was feeling that I was in important and I was valued and I, I could do something about uh, the suck. I could do something about the, the, the bad the bad stuff that yeah. happens and hopefully have some sort of meaning to that story. Like The one thing that I get so excited when I do, do uh, take part in Skate for Cancer is it's my love for my those people and my mom living on in the work that y- you're able to do with it. Um, and so for me, it's, it's in a way, it's it's therapeutic. It's I feel like sometimes it's selfish because I really love love doing it, and it's yeah. it, for me, it's it helps me um, deal with life. Um, and so I was just finding that that element, that yeah, that, that totally. way to kind of express express myself, or, or the way for again that love for that those people living on in in the work that you do. And that's awesome. Um, so tell us what that was like. So you were with your therapist. And you're coming to this conclusion of empowerment, and you realize that your punching bag was skating. Yeah. And when did you decide to skate across the planet? <laughs> I always loved Terry Fox growing up. I don't know if you know, for the American listeners that don't know who Terry Fox is, he's basically like a, a Canadian, beautiful, beautiful man who decided when he had cancer to start running across the country to raise money. Um, the, the kicker is that he had one leg. And this oh, is wow. back in the 80s, and he's battling cancer himself during this run. And, uh, yeah, he has one leg while he's doing it. So y- you can imagine running. How far did he get? He got all the way from uh, basically the, the farthest east coast uh, to Thunder Bay. So it's basically the middle of Canada. Wow. Which is unbelievable. And, unfortunately, he did pass away um, a, a month after having to stop because the, the cancer got into his lungs and he couldn't Jeez. breathe. And Yeah, it's, it's a very... Uh, 
amazing story that someone would put themselves through so much yeah, to right. try to draw awareness. And th- back then, cancer- right about this moment, by the way, someone's like, "Geez, I really clicked on the uplifting podcast, <laughs> yeah. didn't I? Wow, <laughs> hey, it's just Tuesday. Yeah, they're trying to go to work, and they're like, God, help me. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it's, it was a very but that he was an inspiring story. voice. He was an inspiring For person me growing to you. Up. Yeah, when I when I was growing up and we would do the my mom and my dad and we would all do the Terry Fox run every year it was like an annual thing oh, in cool. Canada where you run 10 kilometers and you try to raise money for uh, the Canadian Cancer Society 10 so kilometers no offense yeah, to the Terry Fox run but like Come the on. guy ran across the country with one leg in exactly. cancer and we're running 10 kilometers <laughs> my gosh that should be a thousand mile race yeah, just exactly. FYI I need to, we, we <laughs> for need everybody to, we need to write a letter and just be like I think we, we undershot this one this should be the yeah. Ironman of Ironman it should be yeah. the <laughs> Iditarod of Canada anyways yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, it was always he was always someone that I was like, you know, what a cool thing to do for a, a community that you know you belong to, and cool. um, I thought it was awesome. So when I thought about doing something to get involved or how to um, you know make this store make the situation strengthen myself, I figured you know what, like I'm going to take the next year off uh, before going to university, and I'm going to try to skateboard across the states to raise money. Um, so you skateboard across the U.S.? This is the first one, yeah. Starting where? In California. Starting in Los Venice. Angeles. Now, I wish Venice. Ah, oh, where'd was, you start? <laughs> it was Tell me it wasn't like Pomona or something. No, it was I mean. the Forest Hill Skate Park. The uh, I forget the name of it now. It's the Etnies Park there. I don't even know where these places okay. are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We're going to say, okay, so you started in Venice area, okay. Venice region, and then went where? I wish we started in Venice. If I, was, if I knew California more... When I was uh, 18, 19 years old, I should have called you. That's fine. Or I guess there wasn't Google. I was like, you could have Googled, like, hey, that's Dogtown. Like, that's where it began. Oh, my gosh. We printed out all the maps for the trip. It was 2004. Okay, so you start skating, and you're like pumping on. How big is the skateboard? I mean, it's a shortboard. We just have like really big wheels on it. So, shortboard, big wheels, and you're just, you started at in Los Angeles area, and then you just start headed east. Yeah, but that, again, that, that skate did not have its. Um, easy road. Um, unfortunately, after skateboarding... Uh, I don't think there's an easy way to skate across the country. Not at all, but that was the thing. We didn't actually uh, accomplish the first skate marathon. We didn't. Okay, how far so did you get? We basically got stopped consistently because we're skateboarding on the side of the road, so police officers obviously are ah, concerned yeah. about your safety. Right. Um, and so we we'd continuously get stopped and just like, you can't do this, you can't do this, but we kept doing it because you, know, you, you set out to do something, you right. work so hard to do it. Um, until we got to the point where it became known that these guys are trying to do this and we got stopped one day and they were like, listen, this is the only way you can do it is to go into a city, skateboard the kilometers around the blocks in a city and add up the, the mileage to... Oh, got it. Okay. And so we were just like, oh my gosh, like this is heartbreaking. You know, you set out um, a yeah, goal of the way... Yeah, you can't skateboard like the, the distance from LA to Palm Springs. That's like a freeway, so... Yeah, and it, it's really... You look like a crazy person. You, Totally do. Yeah, you look like and a tweaker who like <laughs> they just sort of hit a meth and they're like, I'm going home. Just back and forth. Yeah, it down just the road. doesn't. Exactly no one, what it yeah. looked like, and it sucked yeah. to do too because if if you think skateboarding across the country can get a little boring, try doing the same street over and over and over again. Wow. Doing okay, blocks. so that's so how you did. Okay, so you skated the U.S. So this is the first one. That was the first one, and so after that skate, felt pretty again uh, disappointed in the whole situation in myself uh, that it didn't set out to do what we hoped it. To, do, to okay. do to skateboard yeah. like from point A to point B straight line right so kind of put it away for a couple of years um, we're focusing on fundraisers and events for different hospitals in this in Toronto um, and then one day decided to pick it back up because I had a friend that was just like you know what like you are letting that 
be your story. Right. Again, right. you're letting it define yourself. Um, so ah, there it is again. Yeah. yeah. Which is pretty cool to like to think about. Like th- those three words kind of just kept coming back, coming back. Oh yeah. Um, and so we set back out on the road. Um, this is 2008 to do a Canadian skate. We figured, okay. you know, we've done so much stuff within Canada at this point that the RCMP, the Canadian police, uh, were very cooperative. We wrote them an email. They were just like, okay, th- like, these are the roads we want you to use, yada, yada, yada. And they were super into cool. it. So much so. Well, that does not happen in the States, by the way. <laughs> no? <laughs> like, sorry, what? I didn't get your email. It's a, it's a little bit smaller, yeah, I yeah. guess, here. Okay, um, yeah. But, yeah, so we set out Vancouver and... You know, the first couple of months was incredible. We were doing it. We were going skating like, like point A to point B, point down to hills, point B. yeah, uphill. Hey, how do you skate up a hill? That's a cheat. You're walking. No, you skate up a hill. You don't want to walk. It takes too long. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. you just push, 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 push. And then major the downhills. You're like dragging a heel, or how are you not? You will see. How are uh, you not bombing the Cascades? Dude, outside of Vancouver, those mountains are amazing. Yeah, I flew yeah. over them. There's yeah. You'll see some tomorrow. Glaciers you go to and crazy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. But it's amazing. We Our best days were hills on like that. Amazing. Because obviously going downhill is pretty nice, but going uphill is beautiful as well. Yeah. It's so you skated changing. across Canada. And yep. then you've, how many countries have you skated across now? Since then, it's been five. So we've done uh, um, wow. Canada, France, uh, I guess we consider USA a skate, um, New Zealand, and Australia. So Wow. We, yeah. Congrats. Um, you skated across Australia? Yeah. Well, the, for the first, so... I mean, that's outback territory. You didn't, like... That's not point A to point B, right? Again, back to that story of define, um, yeah. strengthen, or... It uh, like I'm doubting destroy. you or whatever, but I did. No. I should have read your Wikipedia page. We went to uh, New Zealand because we figured, okay, okay we're going to go skate Australia. Let's go New Zealand skate was, New Zealand. Yeah. It's there. That was the warm-up, right? Yeah, exactly. You didn't do the long ways. You did the short one, right? And surprisingly, yeah. No, we, the New Zealand, one, we went the long ways, um, okay. both islands. But surprisingly, that was another really, really difficult skate because... Um, the roads there aren't the easiest roads to yes, skateboard. Right. They're not really fully paved the way they are here in the U.S. or Canada. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so you can imagine the the vibrations on your knees all day, just pushing yeah, right. and just holding that, trying to hold that board down with the other foot. Um, and then we headed over to Sydney, and uh, again, the the destroy, define, or strengthen is kind of the last chapter right now of where we're at with our skateboard marathons. So you're not through Australia. Here's, here's don't the kicker. Don't, just shoot me straight, dude. I'm I on am, the edge I of am. my chair here. <laughs> There's not a chance. I've been to Australia like four times. Yep. There's no way you went from Sydney to Perth. So we got out. Right? S- we started in Sydney. Okay. Best road system we've skateboarded by far. Okay. Huge shoulder. Good. Great so job, Aussies. They're yeah. listening. Oh, They're man. here. Oh, that's They're going right. to tweet. Right. we got a lot of Aussies. You have now. a lot of Aussies. Um, amazing road system. They're so They're also kind. the best humans. Ex- they're I, read, I mentioned that on like almost every podcast. Totally. Aussies are my favorite people. The amount of times that people would stop and just not even know what you're doing and just be like, oh, you look, you guys look like you need water. Yeah. Here's a case or of like, water. Yeah, right. Crazy yeah. stuff, right? It's amazing. They're like, as it's seriously, they're yeah. like little like uh, islander angels. But that's what it is. Maybe they're so isolated that on their island that, you know, that they stick to their community and they make sure that their community is strong. Maybe. Right? Maybe so. it's just them like, oh, you know, they're trying to fix that, that, that like uh, what they were known prisoner for? outcast yeah. <laughs> like reputation. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, who knows? Or maybe it was just evolutionary. Maybe the only the nice people survived. Exactly. And so it was only the kind ones who That's have exactly lived it. genetically. Um, but we got through Sydney. We skated down towards Melbourne. Got back up towards Adelaide. We we're about two hundred and fifty kilometers. Uh, so it's about one hundred and fifty miles. Um, was that mile? Yeah, it's about about that. Um, outside of Adelaide, and unfortunately, I was sideswiped by a car. Oh, jeez. So, um, it wasn't an Aussie who did it then. I must not have been. No, it somebody must else. not have been. No, yeah, no chance. No else. chance. Um, 
But yeah, that was another situation where Kiwi is what it was. <laughs> we both he was know. mad. We both know. <laughs> if there's someone's gonna sideswipe you and be yeah. like, I don't like that guy, it was probably a Kiwi. Totally. They're listening too, and they're like, Yeah, but they probably they yeah. Were, that's the difference. Is like a you're Kiwi, gonna start a war. They're not gonna get their feelings hurt. <laughs> they're gonna be like, Yeah, that probably was a Kiwi. They're yeah. gonna get you're gonna start a war for sure between the two. Um, yeah, it's uh, it was it was such a very difficult situation because uh, growing up, I always played hockey and knew a lot about figure skating um, but didn't realize how bad pulling your groin meant it was yeah um, and that skateboard it sounds like such a loser injury it's like, like oh he stretched his leg out too far I mean, it sounds like, like you just, just gave yeah, up it's just you like just, oh you mean you want a vacation cool, or you didn't yeah. want to do it anymore yeah, right yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so you pulled your groin yeah and, and so now Australia is pending it's pending now which is great it's great. so nice to when have when do you start let's go you want to come this time? When are you ready? I'm not skateboarding across. Although I do have a really, I have a thing called a surf stick, so I've got like a lot of wobble to mine. Oh, is that that wavy one where you kind of like? You can like just forth? totally bounce. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, man, downhill, like it's amazing. Uphill, it sucks. I feel like I would get dizzy. No, it's delicious. It's delicious. <laughs> across, but across Australia, the Aussies are listening. If Aussies, if you want to join Rob on his skate, yeah, tweet at him at what's your Twitter? Tell us how it's to find you. Rob Dyer S4C. It's 4 C. That's simple. D Y E R. Skate for cancer. That's right. Uh, yes, Rob Dyer, D-Y-E-R, and uh, how else can people find you? What's the Skate for Cancer domain? Yep, our website is dreamlovecure.org. Um, you can find us on Instagram at S4C. Um, yeah, we, we really want to get back out there. Obviously, these type of skates take so much planning, especially when they're on a whole oh, different sure. continent. Yeah, totally. Um, but we got a lot of Aussies listening. Hey, Aussies, typically hazardous happen. Aussies, listen to this. This Skate for Cancer thing would be really cool. It'd be really fun. And if you coordinate an Aussie, this is my promise. This is my solemn this. vow. If you coordinate the Aussie leg of S4C. Yeah. Uh, I will join you for a leg of that. A city to city. The Outback. Leg. The Outback. Well, okay. you know, the, if it's one of near that fun, big though, rock, isn't it? where I can do some like uh, galaxy photographs yeah. or whatever, then totally. Yeah. Okay. I cool. will definitely do the Outback. Or I'll catch you on the. I got a lot of friends in Perth, so I'd love. I'll catch you on the Perth landing. Perth is Whatever beautiful. it is. Uh, so listen up, uh, uh, typically hazardous. Uh, tweet us. And yep. let's get that that thing going, Rob. I know we. I would love to keep talking, but we got to get going because we, we have. To do. You're about to give a talk. Yep. We're about to fill a room, and then Demi and Nick are going to crush it. Yep. Mike Posner is going to play. He's going to take a pill in Ibiza on stage in front of everybody. That's it's his song be right now, eh? Awesome. It's a, <laughs> it's a jam. It's so fun to listen to him. Uh, you're awesome, dude. Thank Thanks you for so being much, here. Man. Thanks, Thanks for joining us. And uh, yeah, I think this mindset's going to stay with me for a long time and with people for a long time. That when we lose. Or when we get hit by something, we have the choice to let it destroy us, define us, or empower us. And I just love how you've empowered yourself and empowered your life and used your pain to bring about a passion for a lot of people. So Thanks, Hank. Uh, you're awesome. Thanks, Thanks for buddy. being here. Yeah, What an honor. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Rob Dyer. I told you he was amazing. I really, really enjoyed the conversation with him. I want to wrap up by giving you just a couple of things that you can do to reconnect with us or to stay connected with what's going on. September 6th, we are doing a live podcast recording at the Bootleg Theater in Los Angeles. I want you to join us and I want you to come and be a part of it. Last couple of months and last couple times have been exceptional. I flew, I'm flying back from the tour just to be a part of this and I want to make sure that you're there with us. So come, it's free, there's no RSVP, there's no VIP, there's no tickets. You just come one, come all, and we'll pack out that theater once again for our ninth Los Angeles uh, typically hazardous live recording. So thanks so much. That's number one. Number two, if you want to join us on our email list and get updates for things that are going on and you can hear about what's happening, I've got some really cool stuff for the end of the year and the beginning of 2017 that I want you guys to see and some very exciting updates that I want you to be a part of. So feel free to join us. You can do that by texting 
888-668-6666. Text that number and just text the name Hank, and you'll be prompted to add our, join our email list. We have like a dozens of people who do that every single week just from this announcement. So you're not alone, and you're gonna, you'll be a part of sort of that first-to-know type process. So check it out. You can do that. And then lastly, I'm just really, really grateful that you're a part of this podcast. And if this podcast is fun for you, exciting for you, if there's any even one drop of positivity that this helps with your life, if you could rate us or review us, that really, really helps. And I will love you forever for that. Thanks so much. You are awesome. And uh, please go out and live a typically hazardous life. <laughs>